Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith, yep. not Pretending anything to. else. Not anything else. Anyway, so that's what we're about. We're so glad that you joined us. We're back today. I'm still in Bistro East. Brian's in Bistro West. All right. Indianapolis and. Bloomington, Illinois. Bloomington, yeah. Illinois. So we're still remote. One the of these cent- days. Center of Central Illinois. Oh. Like say. Mm. Yes, beautiful Central <laughs> Illinois. Anyway, we're back in the Bistro. We had a great episode last week about a little uh, dualism and yeah. worldview. We heard some, some great things. response to that, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, just kind of diving into those really easy to talk about topics, <laughs> you know. Well, this is back to a Bible topic, at least today we're talking about. Yes, bit, back so. to a Bible topic today. Yeah. One of our one of the things that we talk about. And so, yeah, what are we going to talk about today, Brian? Well, it was interesting. We're going to talk about this passage, and it's one of these times, <laughs> some some people who listen to us really like this, where we kind of take a, a popular understanding or kind of a relatively widely known view of something and kind of say, hey, there may be another way to look at it. <clears throat> That's what we're doing today. And there are some that don't. <laughs> There's some who don't like that. I get nasty, nasty notes from them. But but this is one of those, It, it I think... When we when we start to think about it, there there are some other there's some other depths and some other things we have to be careful about. And here's what made me think about this: I happened to be a part of a service this past weekend where I was listening to another preacher, and he said something, and it was actually a very pretty point in terms of preaching. You know, it really worked well. But it was one of those. Whenever I hear it, it's kind of like for me theologically, it's like theological nails on the chalkboard. You know. Uh, because there's some implications of it. And and basically what it has to do is with this idea that the scriptures say that Jesus, well, he didn't even say it this way, but what he said is that if you, if you've ever felt forsaken by God, well, Jesus understands that because he's been forsaken too. And, and he's referring of course to this passage. Do you have Mark 15 up? Go ahead and read this. Mark yeah. 15, 33 through 37, pretty famous. One of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. We often will talk about Talk about it Easter a lot. It's both in it's only in two of the gospels. Mark and Matthew are the only two that mention this this saying specifically. <clears throat> Here we go. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lima Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled the sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Okay, and that's the very end then of his life. But this this idea of, you know, until he was raised from the dead. But this, <laughs> not, you know, yes. spoiler alert, if, spoiler. if you haven't heard that part of the gospel. <laughs> uh, which, which if, if you haven't, I've got some great news for you. But um this this whole idea, and I should have I should have warned you about this. There's Aramaic in there. Some some. I'm, I'm an I'm an expert in Aramaic. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. And, and whether you're reading Mark or Matthew depends on how it's been transliterated. Eloi Eloi Lama Sabachthani or Eli Eli Lama Sabachthani. But this this is a, a, a phrase which means my God my God. So L is the word for God, and and whenever you have that 
that I at the end of it, a yod in, in, in Hebrew, it's first person possessive. So my God is what Ellie means or Eli. There's a guy in the Old Testament, you might remember the priest during the time of Samuel, when Samuel was born, was named Eli. It means mm-hmm. my God. Don't um, let him near your chairs. <laughs> yeah, he'll break him every time. Uh, and his neck. But Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani <laughs> means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and so I would say that there's a a relatively common general sort of understanding by many Christians. In fact, we were just talking about this before we got on the air, maybe, or whatever we're on. I don't know. Before we we get on this podcast. The recorded air. Yeah. So the general understanding of many Christians is that there's a way in which God turned his back on Jesus. Uh, In fact, I mentioned these lyrics. This is um, from uh, Stuart Townsend's song, how deep the father's love for us. You, mm-hmm. you know that we talk. Oh yeah, talk about contemporary Christian music sometimes. And here's one of this those. Was, this was a this was a banger back in the day. Yeah, yeah. This is the second second verse, I think, or third. How deep the father's love for us! How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The father turns his face away, um, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Now, there may be other things we could criticize about those lyrics, but but the, the, this idea of the father turning away his face from Jesus is is probably a pretty common thought in 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 you know just general Christianity. Most Christians, I think, would say when Jesus says or had this sense of forsakenness, it was because. And I've heard preachers say this in in very explicit terms. And again, it preaches very very well. For the first time in his life, Jesus had experienced separation from God. They will say mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, and, and when you think about it, what what kind of have you heard people talk about that before? Ryan? Oh yeah, I mean that it's like it's, um, yeah, I mean that it's like he's he's got to turn away because it's right then he is pure sin. That he, he can't be he can't even see it. Exactly. That's where I was going to go with this, and I was going to ask you. So great great job there. That, that this is kind of what goes along with his thoughts. People say, okay, well this is the point at which Jesus took our sin on himself, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 there, there's all kinds of kind of we've talked we've have an episode on the atonement, and there's all kinds of atonement theories that go along with this. But there's this moment at which our sins are, I don't transfer to Jesus. However, that happens, right? And then, and because, and usually, it's from a, a part of the book of Habakkuk, which is you're really talking about this, but Habakkuk has this thing in chapter one where it says something to the effect of, well, Habakkuk is complaining because God is allowing evil to exist. And he says, your eyes are too pure to look at evil. And so people will quote Habakkuk. They're kind of crying out to God to, to be a theological point that God cannot look at sin and, and which I don't know what that means. You know, never mind. I think, I think he probably looks at it quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, he, that's how he <laughs> so, knows what's going on. And that's how but, he made a mistake. But anyway, don't don't get don't get me started on this. But but he turned he has to because of the pure sin, pure evil. Uh, however, we understand that. Then he he turns his back on Jesus. Some will go so far, and there's some theologians even that go so far as to say that there is a rupture within the relationship between the father and the son. You know, there's a mm. tearing. They'll, they'll use the term tearing away. And so this is really the the corollary that bothers me, because I don't know what that means in terms of the Trinity. My my understanding of the Trinity, which I've told you before, I think is is very central to my whole theology. If you want to call it a theology, um, you know, I'm just a lay Trinitarian, but um, the Trinity is so central to to my understanding of the entirety of Scripture and theology as a whole. Um, that it's, I, I don't even know what it would mean for the father and the son to no longer be in, in relationship. Right. Yeah. It's h- how do you define that, that, that they exist as part of the, they're, they're hooked together. Like, right. how do, and how not even part, even you know, I don't like that word part I, when you're talking about the Stop it. Okay. As soon as you said it, you, you, you felt yourself saying it. But. I could feel the condemnation coming <laughs> through the screen, reaching out. Like Indiana Jones pulling out my heart. You know, we believe that they are they are they are three persons who exist as one being. So I I, I don't know what that means for the Trinity. You know, 
I, I don't know. There's all kinds of just weird things. And so you get all kinds of weird atonement things that go along with this. Is there some way in which Jesus nature at that point, he's the Christ nature, you know, the hypostatic union, union. we'll have to talk about. Does he no longer become the divine? Is he simply Jesus the human at that point? And, you know, there's all kinds of really strange gymnastics that have to happen here. And again, we don't normally always think about that, but I think there's a whole different way to understand this potentially that that doesn't require. Oh, I was going to mention this weird one, too. This again, it preaches fantastic because did you notice what happened at the very beginning of that passage that I had you read in Mark and same thing happens in Matthew at noon? Darkness covers the whole land. Darkness covers the whole. And so, you know, this is a sign of God turning away his face because everything becomes dark. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so we're sun worshipers now? Right. I was going to say. Know, what? So so they take that as a sign of, you know, God. But, but they're saying it's like a natural manifestation yeah, of God yeah, separating yeah, himself from Jesus. Yeah. And, and, you know, and of course, earlier in Luke, Jesus says, this is the hour at which darkness reigns. I think it's. You know, it's showing kind of the the evil, the, the the sinfulness. And again, there's all kinds of really difficult things that have to go along with this. But again, that's kind of a general understanding. Whether people think about it or, or, or Christians take it to that extent, I don't know. But but this is kind of a general uh, way to think about this. Um, and so, a couple of things that I think are very difficult. First is what I said. In terms of the Trinity, that's a very difficult view for me to take. The other one is, and I've seen people talk about this before, what would it mean for God to turn his back on, let's not just say Jesus here, but on anyone who is in the very, very act of accomplishing God's will and purpose at that moment? And he's like, I'm out. I mean, there's there's all kinds of really difficult things for us to think about there. Uh, I was going to read the Matthew passage. It's pretty much the same as Mark. But I do want to look a little bit at the context, which I think helps us understand this a little bit. And then I'm going to do one other thing that I think at least gives us one other way to think about this. And I don't know if this is a problem for you or not, or maybe I'm, this is just what I'm making up. But in Matthew 27... In Matthew 27, just if you're keeping track, Matthew 27, 25 through 27 is that parallel to what you heard Ryan read out of Mark 15 earlier. Um, this is basically the same thing. Darkness is over the face of the whole earth. Um, uh, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you notice the response, though, too? And I just pay attention to this right now, and we'll say something more about it later, where someone brings... Uh, a hyssop, well, John tells us it's a hyssop branch, but uh, a branch and puts a sponge on it and, and lifts up the, the vinegar to his lips. And, uh, um, you know, that that's an interesting response to this. And then, of course, then Jesus dies. Um, but if you look at what comes just before this, just before this idea of darkness and Jesus crying this out, Matthew 27, 21 through 24, would you read that for me? 27, 21 through 24. Yes, please. Are you sure this is right? Uh, no. Is it about the, the chief priest and teachers of the law? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe okay. it is what I'm talking about. No, it's your... Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> a little snar- I'm feeling a little snarky today. I apologize. Yeah, you are. You got... You're feeling it a little bit. <laughs> Here's uh, Matthew 27, 21 through 24. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. That's not it. That's not Matthew 27. I am looking at Matthew twenty-seven. Oh, you're right. I messed up. You went. You want. Do you want from uh, noon and? <laughs> no, and I messed up. Through? I messed up. It's uh, it's forty-one through forty-four. My apologies. Ooh, boy, uh, I tell you all what. All the snark. I, I take oh, it back. Oh, snarky puppy, <laughs> keep it back. Forty-one through forty-four. So again, if you're <laughs> keeping track at home, Matthew twenty-seven. If you're keeping track of who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> 41 through 44. Here we go. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So then we get that whole thing that he, he from you know, noon, from until noon to three, three and then he responds in, in this particular way. So 
So how would you characterize what the chief priests are doing? They're mocking him, it says, so they're making fun. So so those statements that you read are to be read snarky, right? Yeah. They're to be read sarcastically. Oh, he's the son of God. He right? saved others. Why can't he do this? Right. Let let God come and save him. Let's let's wait and see if God comes and saves, saves him. Then we will believe, right? And it's in response to this, then, that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, there's a, an important thing that we have to understand to, to get what I think is going on here. And that is in the first century, <laughs> I'm going to take a complete left turn here. Yes, I love book, it. <laughs> the book of Psalms was not numbered the way that we have it. Uh, the way that you would, and you got to remember this, this is an Oral culture. This is this is a listening culture. I'm saying oral, you know, with ears. Ar- oral. Oral. <laughs> oral. It's um, uh, it's uh, a culture that that is used to listening to things. Not it's not a reading culture. It's not a visual culture, right? Uh, it's a culture that is used to listening. And the way that in this time you would refer, you wouldn't say Psalm 22, for example. You would say the first line of the psalm. And that would be the way you would refer to it. Mm-hmm. So since I mentioned Psalm 22, just go to Psalm 22 and, and read to me then, if you would, the very first line. I said, I said verse 1a, so just the very first line of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So in Hebrew, uh, the psalm's written in, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is what, is what this psalm is. And that would have been the title you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, back of the hymnal, first lines, you know, titles and first lines. Because um, sometimes we still know songs, but not by their title, but by their first line, right? Um, and so Jesus here seems to be making reference, in my opinion, to Psalm 20, and not only mine, but others as well, to Psalm 22, verse 1. And, and here's what I'm going to try to show I could you. See, I could see that since it's almost the same thing it is it is the same, the same thing, thing. There's, I'm you know, yeah i'm being snarky right well and and just wait till we're done with psalm 22 by the time we get to the end of it i think you'll see some really incredible parallels i think jesus is answering what the chief priests are saying hmm. so again what what are they saying well you could do all these other things why can't you save yourself yeah. why aren't if God is going to, if he is the son of God, then let God save him and then we will believe in him. Okay. And so Jesus in response calls Psalm 22 one. Now there are some people who would say that, you know, again, an oral culture, and he's talking here to chief priests. He's talking to people who would have had memorized if they're Pharisees, at least they would have memorized the Psalms, right? They, they would know these are the worship songs. They would know this. And so some people will say that teachers would sometimes do this. They would just make reference to the very first line of a Psalm and, and allow, and we talked about this with Jody Owen and, and mm-hmm. thought it was pretty interesting. They would allow basically reflection to take place. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- people would, would, they wouldn't just think the first line. They would know the, the content of the Con- entire song, right. mm-hmm. and they would think through it and, and apply it to the context that they found themselves in, right? And, and so so that's a possibility. The other thing I wonder is I wonder if Jesus didn't quote more of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, by the way, is quoted frequently in the New Testament. Of course, the book of Psalms mm-hmm. is the hot, most most quoted book of any of the new books are quoted in the New Testament from the Old Testament, it's the most quoted. Psalm 22 isn't the most quoted psalm, but it's quoted very frequently in several different books, Paul, the Gospels, uh, other places. But here it begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what I thought we would do today as we're thinking about this is to look at what this psalm is teaching us. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if Jesus is wanting the... Um, if Jesus is wanting the, the chief priest to think about this, I thought we would take time to look at what this psalm says. Yeah. So so the first five verses, I, I'm calling kind of a summary statement about what this psalm is, is talking about. Let me, I'll go ahead and read the first five verses. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of anguish? My God, I cry out to you by day and you do not answer, by night, but I find no rest. Yet... You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. 
in you they trusted and were not put to shame. So it begins with this kind of summary statement. And, and, and a lot of the Psalms, we've talked before about how the Psalms are really lessons in expressing ourselves to God in in the depths of our emotions. And here's clearly someone in anguish crying out to God. But then he stops and he says, wait a minute, you're the God that our ancestors trusted in and you always delivered them. You know, so the psalmist at this point is probably thinking about things like Exodus. You know, how long how long did the Israelites cry out in Egyptian captivity until God rescued them, right? He's thinking about perhaps other stories uh, where the people people of God were in difficult circumstance and they cried out, uh, you know, how long was it Joseph was imprisoned until, until he was released? And so he made me think about all these stories of God's deliverance. And he's kind of reminding himself, now, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I'm crying out. But God has, you know, when when we when God's people put their trust in Him, He has delivered them. He has He has saved them. So that's kind of a summary statement, is what I think is going on. Verses six through eight. I want you to read this, and here, here's what I'm going to say. I want you to listen to this in the context of the story of Jesus hanging on the cross, the story that we just kind of laid out a minute ago. Not only of Him hanging on the cross, but also the chief priest. What do we say? Mocking him mm-hmm. and, and, and this kind of thing. So go ahead and read verses six or eight for me. All right. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. What does that uh, sound like? <laughs> I'll be honest. It sounds a little bit like what the, what was being thrown at Jesus. If If... If let's see if God saves him, you know, if if he's God's son, he surely he will be delivered. Right. And then then we will believe, you know, if if he if he does this, then we will believe is the idea. So, again, it sounds eerily, uh, eerily like the context, almost, dare I say it, prophetic, Mm. almost prophetic is what we have here. And so then here's the next section, verses nine through 11. And and I want you to, to think through this one with me. Yet, so here again, so he's saying, you know, yet I'm, I'm a worm, not a man. All, everybody's insulting me. And then he's saying, uh, yet you brought me out of the womb. Now, poetically, what would that, what would that be saying? That, I was birthed as a human. Person. Yeah. And, and God, and, and, and God was with me from, from the, my very, mm-hmm. the very moment of my birth, right? You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you, and from and from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. So he's saying, you've been with me from the very beginning of my life, and, and don't even though there's trouble near, even though there's difficult times now, don't abandon me now, is what, mm-hmm. don't forsake me, I guess is what I would say, is kind of the way to understand this. Okay, comments or questions on any of this so far? Anything? Uh, no, but come to your mind? it's good. I like this. <laughs> you like this? Well, just well, wait. It, it, I know you kind of said you couldn't say this for sure, but you were kind of thinking you're kind of going down the path that you maybe think that Jesus might have even said more of this, I, but the, the writers so. might have just put the first line thinking, hey, but, this goes right back to this. Well, and that's what, yeah, that's what, that's the way you would refer to Psalm 22, right? You wouldn't say, and Jesus recited Psalm 22, you would say, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you would know what that was, right? <laughs> His mind being blown. So, so look at verses 12 through 15 then. Go yep. ahead and read this. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot chart potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth you lay me in the dust of death so what what do you notice here what sticks out to you in this passage surrounded by those who would do him harm okay uh thirsty yeah i mean that's that's what the when your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth that's what you're yeah. describing right my what was i say my tongue is like a potsherd you know we're talking yeah. about a piece of pottery out in the desert yeah. kind of thing you know and 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 i'm that dry i'm that thirsty and and it's interesting you remember what i mentioned earlier is one of the people responded to With jesus the, statement 
with a by taking it, yeah, putting a putting a, a a sponge on a stick and lifting it up to his lips so he could have a drink. That was a response of somebody. Mm-hmm. So you know that that's an interesting thing. What else do you notice? Anything else? You said he's surrounded. It, it's bulls of Bashan is an interesting phrase here. And I'm going to say something very speculative here in a minute. But Bashan is a, is on the east side. You're a world traveler, so you know this kind of thing. But it's on the east side of the Jordan River. So it's across. It's Transjordan, right? It's those other people from the other side. So it's a mm-hmm. way to refer to Gentiles, right, to non-Jews, mm-hmm. we, we would say. Um, Bashan was known for its fertility and particularly for its grazing areas. So mm-hmm. there are phrases about the cattle of Bashan, and, and that's a way to t- talk about wealth because they were fine cattle. You know, they 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 were they had a lot of grass to eat compared to some other areas in, in the, the ancient Near East. And so <clears throat> so they were good cattle. And so this idea of bulls of Bashan is this idea, you know, the 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 how do I say this? The. The bulls are the dangerous part of the cattle herd, right? They're the ones that are that are doing mm-hmm. harm. Now, here's the speculative thing that I think is really interesting. Do you know? Do you know which Roman legion um, was probably in Jerusalem in the first century? Do you know what Roman legion is probably surrounding Jesus at this time? The one that's associated with a bull. <laughs> Great guess. The tenth legion. And that's the symbol. Their symbol was the bull. Every Roman legion had different. Of course, Rome, Rome as a whole had the eagle as its as its symbol, but all the different Roman legions had different animals that were associated with them. The tenth legion had the bull, and I just find that again that's speculative, but I find that really interesting. That is an interesting connection, potential you know, connection. Yeah, potential connection. Um, it talks about my heart um, turning Turn to, to wax, wax within me, and then you lay me in the dust of death as well. Uh, was there anything else that I missed there? Anything else? That, I don't think so. I think that, that you notice. Okay, roaring lions is, is the other kind of image. Uh, their mouths open wide against me. You can imagine again a crowd of people, you know, shouting at Jesus and surrounding him. This kind of an idea. Let me. Uh, did you read verse fourteen? I did. Yeah. So that's the other thing is I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint, uh, which may be a picture of the cross as well. This idea of, you know, hanging, um, uh, you know, from from your shoulders and this this kind of thing. Uh, So here's verse 16, then dogs surround me and dogs is another way to talk about Gentiles. That's what you would you know, if you were a good Jew, you would refer to the Romans as dogs, at least behind their backs. Um, and so, <laughs> well, and, and, and we have that pair, uh, I don't know, it's a parable, but when the woman comes and says the Gentile woman and yeah. says that the, even, even the little dog, yeah, the Syrophoenician the- woman, yeah. Even the little dog receives the, the scraps from the table, right? Yeah. 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 It's a way to refer to Gentiles. So do- dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me, um, uh, sometimes this has been read that that I I am uh, in in the midst of the robbers. Some people have seen this as a reference to the to the um, lace tastes the the robbers that are on the cross uh, crosses next to Jesus. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. That sound familiar to you? <laughs> I I I think I know where you're going with this, Brian. Okay. Yes, it's. I mean, it sounds very similar to the the crucifixion narrative. Yeah, John 19. Go ahead and read John 19 if you can get to it yeah. relatively quickly. This is verses 23 and 24. Now, Luke mentions that they cast lots for his clothing. John is the one who tells us why. He he gives us the reason. Part of what the people, the, the Roman soldiers who would crucify a victim, part of their pay was they got to take whatever the guy had left, which at that point was usually just maybe his clothing, right? Scraps mm-hmm. of cloth or whatever was left. But then listen to what it says in John 19. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. The garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So John refers back to this very verse 
in, in Psalm 22 to say this is a fulfillment of that verse. The reason that so so again they usually just divide it into four parts, like it says that they did with the beginning of it. But then they got to this undergarment, and what made this undergarment valuable is is it it was woven together in one piece. So it wasn't a piece of cloth that had been sewn, you know, cut out into a pattern like we're familiar, like your car heart is, you know, we've got seams in our clothing, but imagine something that is, that has been woven together in one piece completely. That would take a lot of skill and the value of that cloth lay in the way that it was manufactured, right? The way it was made. Mm -hmm. And and so to divide it up would be to, to lessen its value. So they said, well, let's see who let's basically shoot dice or, you know, however we understand casting lots in this time to see who who's the one who gets this. And and John immediately connects it to Psalm 22. He said, this is this is prophetic. This is the nature of this. Hmm. So anything else? Any other comments or question on this? Uh, I don't I don't know if I I don't I don't know if I have any other comments or questions. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward <laughs> when you when you look at it in this context. Yeah. So look at verses 19 through 21 then. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. So he's he's describing being surrounded, right? And being being you know, my hands and feet are pierced. Um you know they're casting lots for my for my garments. You know I'm surrounded by this crowd that are tearing me to pieces. And, and he says, "You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs." Again, probably the Gentiles. Gentiles. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. So referring back to this idea of lions and and bulls. Um, and, and so the request here is, God, don't be far from me. Save me from this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he says in verses 22 through 23, a reminder again of God's faithfulness. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. If you went back again, I know it's we've gone through a lot, but if you go back to the very first five verses again, this is how he begins this summary saying, we praise this God who who is not far from us, right? Mm-hmm. So, so in the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All of you descendants of Israel. So he's reminding again, God's faithfulness to Israel, God's faithfulness to Jacob, you know, to the, to the people of Israel in the past. And, and he is saying, we need to proclaim that. We need to proclaim God's faithfulness. And then here's where we get to verse 24. <laughs> and this is kind of what I've been leading up to with all of this. Um, go ahead and just read verse 24 for me. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. So how does that answer those who are hurling insults at Jesus? If Jesus is answering their question with Psalm 22, how would you say that that answers it? He, let, me, let me just repeat this. Here's what they said. In the same way the chief priests, teachers of the law, elders mocked him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants. For he said, I am the son of God. So that's that's what they're mocking him for. And then here, Psalm 22 says, he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. So, yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, that it's, it's an answer that God is still with him, yeah. like even, even in his suffering. Right. And so that's, that's what I think is really j- what Jesus is saying. And then from here on out, it basically becomes much more about how the psalm is used in worship, about we need to proclaim this greatness and the faithfulness of God, that, that even in danger, he doesn't leave his people. He's there for him. The, the sad irony of this, is, if we are correct about this, mm-hmm. the very thing that we saw in Stuart Townsend's how deep the father's love for us that the father turned his face away. Well, according to Psalm 22, he did not turn his face away. He was right there with him the whole time. What it specifically says is he has not hidden his face from him, right? He, mm-hmm. He's not turned his back on him basically. Um, and, and again, I, I'm not going to come down dogmatically on this, but there are some things I think that make good sense of this. So even as the chief priest and the others are, um, you know, mocking Jesus and crying out for his blood and all these kind of things, I think Jesus is reminding them of this prophetic psalm that is that is essentially pointing to this very act 
and to the things that are happening around him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the cl- clothing being divided, you know, all, all these different things, uh, casting lots for his clothing, all these things that are happening. And, and I think the person reflecting, you know, the person who, as we talked about with Jewish literature that could reflect on this, how could they not stop and go, oh, oh my goodness, you know, this is, this is a fulfillment. Uh, and that's what John does. You know, he says, this was to fulfill this scripture. Hmm. Um and so I think Jesus is trying, whether he, again, he says the first line or whether he's reciting the entire psalm, he's calling attention to the fact that he has not been, despite every appearance, uh, he has not been rejected. He has not been scorned, uh, and God has not turned his back on him. Yeah, instead of kind of affirming what what the, the hurls and the insults coming to him, he's turning it somewhat on its head back to earlier words that they would have known yeah. very well that it is in fact he is not forsaken right. it's just yeah it that's an interesting way to think about it like well you know we take it so much as forsaken when it's actually the opposite but it's because of how <laughs> it starts you know what right. i mean like i think that's that's an interesting thing to think about yeah. you know i i think about that i wonder you know could they process it when it was happening you know what i mean when if he's quoting this you know are they putting the pieces together or i don't know I'm just, I I'm just Psalm, kind of thinking through that. Yeah, well, clear, like I said, John clearly at, at some point does this. And and for John, he, he makes a big deal about this in his gospel. Again, I, I know I always talk about John, but but he, he says a couple of times, and after he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered these words, right? Mm-hmm. The, the difference in the context there. So again, does God, does God send 10,000 angels and take Jesus down from off the cross like Jesus says he could do, right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't save him in that way. What he does is he he allows what needs to happen, right? His his mm-hmm. his death on our behalf, and and then he raises him from the dead, right? Right. And and and, and gives victory ultimately over death. So he does. He, he so so we're right here in the middle of this of this plan, right? We're right here in the middle of seeing what God is doing in Jesus and, and through Jesus uh, on our behalf. Now, one of the, I think the question I ask here for you is what, what does this leave? What questions does that leave for us? You know, cause again, this is, you may be hearing this for the first time and thinking, Oh, that's against a lot of other things that I've thought. I've known more than one, even, even preacher who have changed their minds about this after they, they did some serious study mm-hmm. because when you begin, you know, again, if you don't notice that there's a exact verbal parallel in the Old Testament to this, um, then and, and how could you know? By the way, uh, you look at the references in, uh, you know, this is where it's always important to look at those foot, footnotes and those textual notes to see the parallels. Um you know, your Bible typically will have a footnote at this point that will point to Psalm 22.1. So that would be a good start, you know, when you, mm-hmm. when you notice that. Um, but it, it's 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 looking for those kind of, you know, connections and, and, and this kind of thing. But what does it leave for us? What kind of questions does that leave for us? Um, do, do you have some that... Well, you know, I think it's always, we've kind of talked about that, like what what's happening on the cross? You know, like yeah. what is this, what's this what's this relationship look like? What's happening right. on the cross? I think that's the the question. Because I think, you know, there are other theological positions like we kind of yeah. talked about that, like, that's a very important thing that there is this disconnect and this is when all the sin is on Satis- him and like, yeah, yeah, satisfaction yeah, the, of yeah, wrath. Yeah, that wrath, <laughs> wrathful pieces of it. Um, you know, I think it, it can open up a whole can of worms for people if you've not seen it as any other thing than right. like this this separation that had right. to happen. Because yeah. I think that's what really comes down to is like, if you believe, if it is a forsaken, like yeah. there's a whole theology of, well, that had to happen like that yeah. or it couldn't have happened otherwise. So I think, right. um, I don't know if I have a specific question, yeah. but just but, like- but you, You've pointed out exactly what I, was, what I was thinking. You know, for someone that might be a really hard thing. For me, I'm going to tell you what makes this compelling is what I said to you earlier about my understanding of the view, my understanding of the Trinity, you know, and and (laughs) I don't know how the father turns his back on the son. I don't know how that happens. Uh, I, I can't I can't imagine. I can't imagine the father turning his back on anyone who's in the process of 
even in the midst of difficulty, and that's what whole Psalm 22 is about, right? Even when times are difficult, you don't, you've never forsaken us. And it's difficult for us to think about at the very moment when he is doing what the father has sent him to do, not my will, father, but yours be done. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then he goes, he sets his face to it and he goes through with it. And at that very point, the father forsakes him. Uh, It's, that's a difficult thing for me to, to wrestle to, with like this is God's, then God's will, but it's like, Oh, sorry, bro. What does that mean for the nature of God? Then, you know, what I think this then teaches us, what I think we can learn from this is that God's deliverance isn't always going to look like what we expect mm. it to. Uh, and there may be times where it looks like we have been <laughs> utterly defeated. Right. But even in those, and that's what, that's what I think Psalm 22 is about. It's about wrestling with this idea. I'm surrounded by the enemy, God, yet I remember you've 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 saved your people in the past. You've delivered your people in the past. I remember that you have been with me from the from my very birth, right? And, and I don't believe that you're going to leave me now. Uh, e- even when the chief priest, you know, even when the religious leaders are saying you've been forsaken by God, um, you know, Jesus is saying, "No, look at it. This is what it looks like uh, for God not to turn His face from the from the afflicted one." Um, so that's, that's how I understand it. And, and yeah, I, know I mean, that, it's and a little bit very, more difficult in reference, you know, it's a very Jewish thing. Remember, remember, right. you know, like in Jesus's last words are sure. Remember, right? you know, but I think, you know, I think that's, and I think that's a hard point. We've talked about this multiple times, but like even in suffering and you talk about deliverance, you know, and it doesn't always look like the tidy pack, like the Pharisees are thinking, well, this is, right. he's Elijah. He's going to call God down and this is going to yeah. happen. You know, they had a very, the very specific expectation yeah. of what very God's, rigid, rigid very understanding. rigid yeah. understanding of what God's presence yeah. meant in that situation. And it meant a physical yeah. deliverance, but we're seeing here again is that while it may not feel like it in the flesh, yeah. That God's presence is still ever present. In well, and later Paul's going to call this the scandal of the cross, right? This is this is going to be his reference is this idea that that the very thing that would be a curse, you know, from Leviticus, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Uh, this idea that to be a crucified criminal, that 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 very act being what God was doing in order to vindicate His people, you know, to save His people, I think is is a part of this. So if we sing the song, How Deep the Father's Love in Our Church, should we like yell something louder, like the Father keeps his face on him, just to make a point? Is that what you're trying to say, Brian? There are two, I think I've mentioned this before, there are two contemporary songs that there are lines that I cannot sing, and this is one of them. Mm -hmm. The other one is, uh, we were mentioning earlier, is it... um, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone, um, you know... Till on it? that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God, oh, God was, satisfied. was satisfied, and that that I can't I can't sing that, because um, again, this view of the view of the atonement is: Do I believe in propitiation? Yes. Do and I believe, explain what you mean by that. Propitiation is this idea of uh, a, a turning aside of the wrath of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the scriptures talk about it. First John talks about it. I, I believe I believe in propitiation, but I don't see God's wrath as some kind of quantity any more than I see God's love as a quantity. We've talked about this before, right? right. I don't think God's wrath is this thing that is stored up. Uh, let me let me just. I think I've used this as an example before, but. You know, I told you people do really weird things with the atonement. They, they get themselves locked in kind of like the rigid, you know, the rigidness of the Pharisees. They get themselves locked into these very specific things that have to happen in terms of the atonement. Mm-hmm. So I had this one guy that was talking to me one time and he's like, oh, he said, you know, OK, so Jesus died for me. Right. To, he took his sin or my sin on him, all of my sin for my whole life on him. Right. And, and he did away with that. But then what about your sin? And what about this other person's sin? And, and his point was for him to take all of the sins. That, and again, like sin is some kind of quantity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like something that you, you know, you pile up for him to take all of that. Um, for him there, he, he, he solved it with um, quantum physics, that there had to be some kind of way that this was a time travel kind of deal. And, and so Jesus suffering, 
in his mind to satisfy God's wrath had to be sufficient for all the sins of every person, right? And he means, you know, universalist. <laughs> well, no, 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 for yeah. for every believer. Yeah, but I don't think he was going universalist. But it was more. It was more. It, it you know, it wasn't the fact that he's able to die for all of our sins, right? Yeah, it, it's that he has to die for each of our sins individually. And anyway, like I yeah. said, you get you get yourself wrapped into all kinds of different different well, ideas. I had a con- yeah, I had a conversation with someone. It was about. I hope they that guy's not listening now. <laughs> uh, maybe. With someone that it was like, uh, you know, Jesus didn't die. It was a limited atonement conversation. Yeah. And if if Jesus died for some people's sins and they didn't accept him, then his oh, blood was wasted. Right. And I said, well, so, that's, that's a pretty common. So it was like it was like yeah. a comment. It was like a tit for tat. Like I have this much blood yeah. and this is how many people I can save. And I said, so it, what you're telling me is if Jesus had eaten more bread and lamb and had more blood in the system, more people could have been saved. Oh, goodness. You know, oh, and I'm my. like, it, it was just, you know, it was one of those things again yeah. where it was like this. There's a very quantifiable like it was a, yeah. a physical manifestation. And, of I, that. and I, again, I'm not I'm not trying to mock that or anything, but but I think that's missing the point. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's not the main. <laughs> it's a slight, not mocking, <laughs> as we laugh about. But yes, I think yeah. that's the thing. We, we you get locked into something like that yes. if you if you if you look at it from that angle of like there has to be this quantifiable wrath that is right. quantifiably um, propitiated, right. pro- right. propitiated. Yeah, as as you say. Yeah, so so that's what I think. That's anyway. So, but I do believe I believe. So, what's Jesus, the good news here? So we kind well, of we like kind I of said, ragged on this. I, I think the good news. I think the good news is we do believe Jesus died for our sins, and and we do believe that he has taken on himself what separated us from God and has made it possible for us to be in a relationship with God again, and, and are um, relying upon him. Uh, puts us in this position where we believe God is with us, you know, and and, and uh, that He will not forsake us, nor will He leave us, as the Hebrew writer says, uh, quoting the Old Testament, that that He will He will be with us, right? Um, so anyway, and as Jesus says, you know, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. That that kind of an yeah. that kind of an idea. So so we can we can trust even in even in times. And here's here again is the is probably the real takeaway. I think even in times of difficulty, even in times where all everything seems against us, we trust that God's uh, presence is with us even in those times. Uh, we are not forsaken by God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we may feel forsaken sometimes, but we are not. The reality is, we are not. So, well, and, and and I think you know one thing that we've talked about again is thinking about how we think about our theology. You know, what I mean, like yes. you know, we don't have to create a whole new category of like, oh, right. the eternal Trinity that is that exists out of yeah that that has always existed co together co persons i don't know how you want to say it cuz i'll mess it up um, i always say there's very few ways I, to to yes, say it you, do you, you don't want to change very many words i'm just making signs i'm going to make a triangle i'm just i'm not going to make say words but that that there has to be a if if you look at that and if you think there's a break there's like a whole new category do we have to understand it's yeah. like it can be broken like you know they can get yeah, and then I was. It, and the, I say it. it is, I said it. I'm sorry for saying. It, do we have ability for a period of time? You know. So yeah. anyway, yeah. There's anyway. all kinds of weird things that happen, and that that's, you know, again for me that's that's it, it, and and again, you know, I was talking to my wife about this afterwards because she was at the service as well, and and as soon as what was said was said, she turned to look at me like, and you know, I'm kind of like went heresy. Um, <laughs> As one does, but uh, uh, you know, and, and afterwards, as we were talking about that, you know, I'm kind of, you know, sometimes it makes me very discouraged. To be honest, we were talking about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes it seems like a losing battle, right? That, that you know, and I said, "What is?" I said, "Because most people probably think that way," and and she says, "Well, most people don't think." In terms of the the implications of it, you know, they don't think down the road. Yes. If I say yes. this, then what does that mean about this other doctrine, right? Uh, and that's that's where I think we need to make sure that that we're consistent and and that we keep 
you know, keep our theology as, you know, again, we're, we're imperfect people, but we must keep it as consistent as possible. And a lot of that, honestly, and again, I probably, there'd been a time I would not have said this. And I know there's going to be a couple people who are going to be shocked when I say this, but honestly, a lot of that is, is recognizing Orthodox Christianity as it has been handed down through the ages. Right. I mean, I know you're big on, uh, Oh, what's the guy's name? Thomas uh, Oden. Thomas Oden. You yeah. know who? Who? You know he's big about. Well, they, you know they figured a lot of this stuff out a long time ago, <laughs> and we've kind of, you know, we write we've songs. We've forgotten it. <laughs> we, right, right, and yeah, we've not taught it well, and we've we we get this populist kind of, uh, you know, like I said, it's I, I sometimes I call it. Here's my disparaging term. I sometimes call it homiletic theology. Mm-hmm. You know, he preaches good. Yeah, so. I, was, I was just going to, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, you know, if it preaches well and we get this sense of, you know, I think it's those things like, oh, I gobbled that. Oh, that was a good sermon. And it felt right. good or like it, you know, you're yeah. down the path. But it's like kind of going, wait, if you said that, yeah. what about that? What about yeah. that? And so... And I'm sure you're as a preacher would appreciate that when people in your congregation go, well, what about that? Well, yeah. Anyway, well, we're, I'll, we're not going to get to that. I'll tell you off, off yeah. after this is over what I yeah. was thinking about. With but that. Um, no, I think, I think this is great. You know, and I think this is the thing that as I've learned uh, myself, you know, as I read scripture more and I always say to people is, and, and we've talked about this before, especially... When Jesus references the Old Testament, pay yeah. attention, you know, yeah. or even any of the New Testament writers are referencing the Old Testament, yeah. pay attention, because it's oftentimes not just the words they've picked out, it's the, right. it's the feelings, it's the meanings, it's the context of what yeah. they're referring Echoes to. Of scripture, you yeah. use Richard Hayes' term, yeah. Yeah, the echo, oh, Beautiful echoes of scripture. But, you know, it's just, there's, there's so much more packed into it, and, uh, you know, even if it you don't know Aramaic, you know, there's those notes in the Bible to, to, to get, to get you back there. So, right. Well, Brian, thanks so much. This is yeah, good. Good to talk yeah. to you. Yeah. So again, if you hear these songs, you know, yell something different when it comes time. <laughs> Brian and, Johnson said you should do that. No, 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 no. I, and I'm, again, I don't want to be dogmatic about this. It's something to think about, just something to think about. And if you like this and you want to hear other kinds of content like this, uh, reach out to us, let us know. We've got a website. You can find uh, information about us. If you're watching us on YouTube, it'll be down in the comment section. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app, then you can find it in the show notes but anyway it's the bible be sure dot, yeah if you'd like true? to support us you can find a link there as well is so, that true yes. or not am i making yeah, stuff it's in the up show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you click on like info and then it like comes down and things happen and so yeah things happen and then you can and there's ways to support us there's ways to uh, ask us questions there, we had some people giving some feedback on a question i asked on our facebook page thank you for that uh, yeah input we had so so yeah well call Brian. me i mean telegraph i mean Call me. Here's Brian's phone number, everyone. Some of you have it already. Yeah, that's right. Well, Brian, thanks so much. And uh, look forward to chatting with you again next Tuesday. Yeah, talk to you then. See you. Bye. Bye.